And hey, happy Friday. Yes, it is another edition of the Speaking For Him podcast. I'm Adam McNutt, alongside the host of the program, Mr. Andrew Gamison. Hello, Adam. This is Andrew, and it's good to be with you for another Friday. And we're rolling right through 2015, and we're very excited to continuously be bringing you this content week in and week out. Uh, we love our Fridays on the Speaking For Him podcast. Well, um, if you've been a regular listener, you know that a few weeks ago, uh, back in January, we interviewed a couple um, who produced the um, 40 film, John and Cynthia Gonzalez, and they put together an awesome documentary about the realities of abortion and about uh, some of its tragedies and more importantly, in some ways, I think, the faces of abortion, the people that it affects. Yeah. Sometimes we think of abortion as an abstract, faceless thing that doesn't affect anyone. But as we saw when Adam and I watched the 40 film, it does affect many people in some very powerful ways. And we'll get into that more as we go on. Um, but first, we have a quote of the day. 40 is a powerful reflection of the most racially, ethnic, ethnic, ethnically, and generationally diverse human rights movement the world has ever seen. While big abortion crushes purpose over 3,000 times a day, people who fight for the dignity of all human life pour their lives into saving beautiful possibility. As an adoptee and adoptive father, it is a joy to shatter the myth of the unwanted child. We're all wanted by someone. 40 makes that clear and it makes it crystal clear. It's Ryan Bumberger, the co-founder of the Radiance Foundation. All right. Thank you, Adam. And uh, as I said, Adam and I are going to spend a few moments today discussing this film. But before we do that, let's roll the trailer for this film. Pro-choice are saying they care so much about women. Well, I'm a woman. Roe v. Wade is law of the land, and we need to maintain choice for everyone. Let's have a conversation about reality. Okay, when abortion right. is illegal, yes. women die. No, no, no. Women are dying today in Planned Parenthood clinics, in clinics across this nation. Abortion should be safe, legal, and rare. Well, the only thing right now out of those three that we're living with is that it's legal. This is the greatest human rights abuse of our time. We were founded on the principle that life is an inalienable right. You cancel that, you're done. These are women's rights. We just think that women can make their own decisions about their bodies. What about the body of the child? I'm not asking people to say that the baby's rights supersede the mother's. You know, my argument is that they are equal. It is not a baby. A baby is a fetus that has been born. If you don't want to have an abortion, don't have one. Don't women have a right to choose. It's our bodies. Oh, women deserve better. We deserve the truth. We deserve options. Being pro-life is a choice. I mean, part of being pro-life is fighting for the rights of the mother. 
because she is being lied to. She is being deceived. We have terribly failed women. If the only choice we can offer women is abortion. And I love women so much that that's why I'm pro-life. But a lot of people thought that they were helping women and really giving them the solution. And now people are, after all these years and all the years of suffering, more and more people are starting to come forward and say, look what it did to my life. And so if you're looking at this home today and you're thinking you want to exercise your freedom of choice, just know that that freedom will be with you for the rest of your life. And that regret will never go away. All right, well, it doesn't get much more powerful than the trailer. I got to say, uh, sometimes when you're watching a film or when you when you watch a trailer of a film, um, obviously they try to put the best stuff in the trailer and get you hooked for a film. But sometimes you're like, the trailer doesn't live up to the film or... Um, or, you know, maybe it's just a, this quick soundbite that doesn't mean much. But this trailer, as well as the entire film, packs a very powerful punch. And um, I just, I was saying to someone, uh, I think just a little while ago, after watching it twice leading up to uh, the recording of this podcast, I think that every person who is a junior in high school or up should see this documentary. Um, there are definitely some things because of the topic and the subject matter that would be difficult for younger viewers to watch, but it is grounded in reality. You know, we're not trying to make it seem worse than it is. The, the bad things that are in here, uh, the evil things that are in here are here because of the reality and, and the harsh things that go along with um, abortion. So basically, this film was uh, was uh, put together by, like I said, John and Cynthia Gonzalez. And it was born out of a personal struggle where John, before he married Cynthia, um, paid for an abortion for a former girlfriend, regretted it ever since, and just had a heart for the unborn. And through a lot of prayer and, and contemplation, decided to put together this 40 film to commemorate the 40th anniversary of Roe versus Wade a couple, couple of years ago. And if you want more information on that, you can go back to the podcast um, titled um, The 40 Film. Um, I believe that it's podcast number 119, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so you can look. I know that it's in that range, um, general vicinity. So you can look in our archives, find The 40 Film one, and you'll find the interview and you can get more detail on that but I think the fact that it came out of personal experience lent, lent, lent a certain amount of create credibility and passion to the final product um, so my overall thoughts are it's a much needed film uh, it kind of tries to look at each aspect of the, the abortion issue and try to give you a big picture view um, Adam, what are your general thoughts as we begin this conversation? Honestly, I thought it was a, a really good documentary. Uh, not only was it well done, it was it was high quality. Because I'll be honest, one of my 
nervous things with these kind of documentaries or even with Christian films is they can kind of have a tendency or at least a stereotype to be, you know, cheesy or not good or not realistic. Uh, this is about as realistic as it gets, and it digs right into the stories of uh, women who have even uh, had abortions, um, people who used to be with Planned Parenthood, and then they, they turned away. And I, I don't want to give too much without you seeing it, but uh, I, I thought it was very, very well done. I was impressed, and it, and it does leave an impression on you. Well, and I and uh, I think that uh, the positive things as we get into the, the next aspect of our discussion, the most positive things about it is these women, most of the women that were interviewed, I shouldn't say most, but a good number of the women that were interviewed in the documentary are abortion survivors themselves. So a lot of times, especially as a man who's pro-life, I can be accused of uh, being passionate about something that I know nothing about. You know, you're, you're just against women. You know, they always... Um, accuse pro-lifers and especially pro-life male politicians as being in a war against women, waging a war against women. And that's not it at all. The fact of the matter is that we want to preserve the dignity of women. We want to um, to give them value, to show that they are valued. When you realize that more greater than 50% of the world's population is women, more women are born than men, then you realize that greater than 50% of the abortions that take place are women. And so where are their rights? You know, when I did my um, two pro-life podcasts back in January, I kind of let the material speak for itself, and it should. But this gives me an opportunity to really uh, speak to my passion and the reason I'm so passionate about this issue. And one of the things that came up is that one of the ladies said that uh, a baby, one of the pro-choicers who was interviewed, said that a baby's not a baby until it's born. That it's just an abortable fetus until the day of its birth. But the problem with that logic is I was born at six months along. You know, I could have developed in my mother's womb for another three months. But it didn't make me any less human when I came out. Mm-hmm. And I heard a statistic once, I don't know how accurate it is, but I heard a statistic once that 35% of abortions happen second trimester and on. Mm. And so when you think about that and you realize that I was viable at six months gestation, think about how many other babies are just as viable but are killed by abortion because their mothers decide to do it and primarily because they're not given choices i think that's another myth that we need to dispel is that there are places that are open to helping people who have these difficulties who find themselves in crisis pregnancy and one of the problems with Planned Parenthood is they do do occasional good things not everything they do is bad but their primary focus is on this abortion culture that says if it's inconvenient then let's help you get rid of it. And you'll see through the the video, through the documentary, if you get the DVD, which we will encourage you to do, that they do a lot of underhanded things. There have even been some people that have persuaded women to get abortions who were not pregnant. 
but they wreck their insides, giving them fake abortions. Now, this is not pleasant to talk about, and I should probably say before we get even any further into the discussion, that if you have anybody younger listening, this might not be one of the episodes you want them to listen to. But this is just the the real, the raw stuff. And one of the things that I, I often hear people talk about is racism. And how the world is racist and how they're, in it, they're out to get the black man. There's no area where they're more out to get the black man than abortion. This documentary pointed out that uh, about 35 to 40% of abortions are done on black women. 25% of abortions are done on Latino women. As I was sitting there watching this documentary, I'm thinking, that just blows my mind because that means that 65% of abortions are done on minorities. It's a very racist thing. Margaret Sanger, one of the reasons she formed Planned Parenthood was because she wanted, like Hitler, to form a master race. That was one of her goals. I'm going to a master race, anybody that doesn't have a child that fits that bill doesn't belong having a child. Um, Okay, well, there wasn't really any negative things, so we'll substitute the word negative for surprising. (laughs) Um, And I'll go to you first, and then I will follow up, Adam. What what do you think most surprised you that you did not know about the pro-life movement going into this? Um, for me, I know, uh, statistically I was blown away. Um, I've been pro-life my, my whole life, but when I heard that, uh, 3,300 babies are killed daily, it's every day. Um, it's just, it's like, A, how do you even comprehend that? And then B, you just kind of are, are sobered by it a little bit, you know? I even had a little bit of, uh, I was gonna say, moist eyes <laughs> watching those parts and statistics, and um, it just it it blows you away how uh, that's happening. Even while we're doing this podcast right now, those procedures, those abortions are being done, and it just it, it blows you away, and it kind of gets you in the mode of like I I want to, and I want to do something, whether I can just say a quick prayer or or just something, but I think. Just having that realization, those facts put in front of you, not not in a nagging way or or a, let me load you with facts, but a, a eye opening way because it's truth. It's what's happening. That's what really uh, blew me away about this video. And I mean, I'm, I'm Catholic. I mean, you want to talk about going to churches where abortion is <laughs> talked about a lot and is is made into action to to fight against. And I didn't even know that. So hearing those statistics and stuff, it just it's like, wow. It's sad, and it just it blows you away. Well, and the, the thing that most surprised me about it was the, the groups that aren't particularly Christian that are still involved in the pro-life movement. They still understand the value of human life. Um, I definitely, I know that part of my value of human life is because God said that he created us in his image, and I believe that wholeheartedly. 
But I also thought it was kind of striking to hear um, people from the secular pro-life organization and then for Humanists for Life basically basically saying that one of the worst things that happened is allowing the pro-life issue to become a religious issue in the sense that as soon as you talk about it in religious terms, people that aren't religious just say, you know what, I'm not religious, this doesn't matter to me, I don't have to listen to the argument um, overall. And at first I was kind of like, well, that's where it comes from, so how can you not? But then I started to realize, you know, they have a point. Because no time in America have we ever had a greater ability to know that a human life exists in the womb. You can look at ultrasound. You can see movement. You can detect a baby's heartbeat two weeks in. So we're not talking about is this a baby or is this not. See, that used to be the main argument. Is it a baby? Is it not? And it still is used by the pro-choicers when they can. But there was a former abortionist on that video that said, we all knew it was a baby, even though we used that argument. I thought that was very interesting that he would say that. Um, But it was just about making the sale. And also there's just this aspect that it's one of the most unregulated industries ever. You know, we had this issue with Kermit Gosnell, who had babies survive his abortions, and then he killed them anyway. Mm -hmm. Now he's in prison, which is good, and it was good that he went to trial and was convicted, and it and it brought out the discussion again. But this is the kind of stuff that you have to deal with. This is the very real um, nitty gritty, and so that was the, that was kind of some of the surprising parts to me. Adam, what would you say is your favorite part of this? I think my favorite part of the film was there were a lot of women that were interviewed that either had had abortions in the past, or they worked with Planned Parenthood. Some were even abortionists themselves, uh, but then God opened their eyes, and they made a complete 180. And even in those darkest of situations, it was so cool to see how God turned those people's lives around. Because after they had their abortions, I mean, they were they were in depression, and they were I mean, it just completely messes with you. Um, and how God turned those people's, those women's lives around to now be pro-life speakers and advocates and to help save lives and babies and, and mothers' lives. Um, that, that, was, that was humbling to see because, uh, you know, if you're not in that lifestyle or, or that area a lot, uh, you, you hear either if someone got an abortion or not. But you don't hear a lot of times after what happens in their life. So to see how God brought those women out of supporting abortion into now supporting pro-life movements and helping women not to do abortions, uh, I thought that was cool, and it gives hope. It does, and there was even an interview from a post-abortive father who talked about having years and years of depression, and we don't even give post-abortive fathers any rights according to the law, Um, you know, Hypothetically speaking, of course, but if my wife or my girlfriend got pregnant, she could end the life of that baby without even telling me she was ever pregnant. And that, and that, and that is the, that's the, um, that's the society in which we live, where 
all of a sudden, you know, it's supposed to be an issue of choice and be this helpful thing, but the the man's hands are tied. And that's something that, that needs to be rectified as well. All right, well, as Adam said, and as I know I go back to in almost every episode where we review a film, we don't want to give away too much, but we do want to encourage you to see this film and then to get on the 40film.com and avail yourself of the resources. I think there's a, a study guide and some other resources that you can use. You can get information for licensing to have this film done in your church. You can contact um, John and Cynthia for more information, and you can pray for them. Uh, because they're contemplating what their next project is going to be. They want to continue to make um, very uh, affirming uh, films, um, probably still pro-life in nature, and will hopefully profile them again. Um, because when you make a good connection like this, you want to continue to utilize it. But I would just encourage you, see this film. Let your junior in high school on up see this film and talk to them about these issues. Um, because one of the worst things we could do is to get into this mode of it can never happen to me. Uh, because it can happen to anybody if they don't have their guard up, if they're not um, prepared in the face of temptation before temptation comes. And then to know that if they make the mistake, to make the right choice out of that mistake. That's another thing that needs to happen. And it, as you can see in the film, there are so many resource centers who help women before, during, and after uh, these procedures. And so the biggest lesson I took away from the film is that there's people from all walks of life who know that life is sacred, who know that life is important. And I always say this too, theoretically, if the pro-aborts are so eager to get rid of their progeny, um, their posterity, if you will, then the pro-lifers should be winning just on the basis of the fact that they are still having children and seeing the value in children. But I also believe that that's where the church needs to step up and say, you know, I'm not going to buy the lie that 1.8 children is the, the all-American goal and the all-American dream. Children are hard work, but they are a blessing. I would not be able to do what I do today without having 10 siblings who have all helped me in a variety of ways. I was the oldest in my family. If my family had stopped at three or four, all my brothers would have already moved on and I would have had to find a suitable living arrangement apart from any family. And I could have. I'm not saying I couldn't. God equips with the grace for whatever your life, whatever your life, entails but I will always be thankful that my parents didn't just say we're going to stop with two or three or even six they said after six they were contemplating what to do about the issue and they said we're going to trust God and nine months to the day after they made that decision my sister Faith was born and I've had and I have a total I've had a total of 11 siblings one who is with the Lord so I have 10 living siblings and I'm grateful for every single one of them and the place that they have in my life. Please don't buy the lie that children are just commodities to be scheduled when they're convenient. 
they are indeed blessings from the Lord. All right, well, we're going to wrap things out, wrap things up. Um, but what was the biggest lesson that you took away from this film? I know when I was watching it, um, they had a couple girls' stories on about women who got pregnant in their late teen years. And some of the pro-life counselors went into depth about how, you know, when those high schoolers get pregnant, um, they're scared. They're vulnerable. They feel alone in the situation. Uh, they think their life is over. And so many times it can be easy when – Let's say a woman or even a man for that instance, you know, they, they do things before marriage or so young and they make these decisions. It's easy to get kind of upset or shake your fist at them like, oh, what were you thinking? You broke the Ten Commandments. But um, these counselors were saying they need to be responded to in love and in gentleness and uh, to be guided to know what to do. Because I think they said a majority of the time why so many women get abortions is because uh, they don't know what to do and they're not given guidance from anybody. So I think – I know for me that was kind of eye-opening a little bit. Not that I was like ready to ram anybody who made a bad decision, but just in the sense of like that's a good reminder. You know, we should respond to those people in love. Granted, yes, they did make a bad decision, they did sin, but um, they need the most help in those situations, and they need the most love in those situations. So um, that was that was a that was a really good lesson, and this movie did a great job of passing that along. Definitely, and I I have on here that we should talk about our ratings for the film but i don't think i'm going to do that and the reason is that this is so much more than just a siskel and ebert uh <laughs> let's give you an entertaining thing to watch with your family on family movie night this is not that type of movie but this is a movie that you need to watch i i will i said it before and i'll probably say it again before we fall, finally sign off you need to watch this film and I'm just going to leave it at that as far as the rating goes. Right now we're going to listen to a little video clip from YouTube about the making of 40, and then I'll be back to wrap up the show. Working on the 40 film, especially in the beginning, it felt like I was staring at Mount Everest. We did so many, so many interviews, and when they were transcribed, it was a stack of papers about this high. It was 600 plus uh, pages that I had to go through line by line, trying to discern where are the stories? How are we gonna decide who makes it into the final cut and who doesn't? Yeah. In other words, the last thing we wanna do is, you know, not bore the people yeah, for yeah. the first 12 minutes. The I mean, that... Although the information I think is very important. I came to the realization that instead of doing just feature stories on the leaders, why not hear from many different voices and include some answers to some of the most widely held convictions from the pro-choice perspective? What was really hard was trying to get in the door to get official representatives of the pro-choice organizations, such as Planned Parenthood and NARAL and uh, now the National Organization for Women. I remember making phone calls, I remember sending emails, pleading with them. We really want to hear from the other side. But none of those organizations responded. Every single one of them closed the door on us. So that what we ended up doing was speaking to pro-choice women on the street. So women should have the same rights as anybody else, access to healthcare, access to what we need so we don't have to go in back alleys again. 
I'm planning on being an abortion provider. It's, it's very important to me. I got involved in the 40 film because I knew that it was a project that poses that question. Um, really, where are we as a nation 40 years after Roe versus Wade? Are we better off? Are we worse off? In the end, it really shows you how many women are hurt by abortion, how many men are hurt by abortion, what the issue really is, and shows the movement of the March for Life and people that are fighting this issue, um, all, all the youth, all the kids that are involved in the pro-life movement and how beautiful it is. Over the last 40 years, the witness of pro-lifers on the street in front of abortion clinics has saved countless lives. Part of my desire in making this film and being able to share, not my ideas, but the experience, the practical experience of so many women. I forgive myself in the sense that I recognize as human beings we make mistakes, but I'll always carry with me the burden of knowing that I've hurt people. As a young man, I was introduced to a, a young lady and we developed a relationship. One day she told me that uh, she was pregnant. And so she told me that she wanted an abortion, but she insisted that I pay for it. It left absolutely a mark on my heart, a hole in my heart. It, uh, it caused grief, uh, aggravation, uh, bouts of depression that definitely affected me uh, emotionally, uh, spiritually, even physically. In 2007, I had been married for a couple of years. We wanted children. We got married a little bit later in life. Cindy and I couldn't conceive. On the 18th of September, I got a phone call from a former colleague. Sheila called me up and said, did you and Cindy still interested in an adoption? My husband just delivered a baby just two days ago, and the mother uh, wants to give it up for adoption. He is our little miracle baby that landed from heaven. Today, little Joseph Dominic is the motivation for making this film because I realized that little Joseph, he could have been one of the 55 million aborted babies since Roe v. Wade. I think to change hearts, one must be a good listener, one must show compassion, one must be a good friend. We have to be able to provide love and compassion to those who have been affected by abortion. I want this film to be a tool that can educate, inspire, and motivate a, a whole new generation of young people. If we can save just one life, then it's mission accomplished. All right, well, there you have it, the making of the 40 film. We'd encourage you to go to the website, which will be on the blog for this episode, and get the DVD, find out about church licensing, and get it into your church so that you can share this message. It so needs to go out. People need to know, to know the reality of abortion. It's so easy to think of it as an issue that doesn't affect me. Even a lot of liberal politicians will say their classic lines, well, I would never have an abortion, but I'm not going to tell anybody else not to. But it affects so many people. Just think if your father wasn't here on this earth. That means that you wouldn't be here means that all of your siblings wouldn't be here. If you have nephews and nieces, it means they wouldn't be there. So it's not just about the 55 million babies 
that were aborted, what about their potential children? And even as as they climb into their 40s, we're getting to the point where we're talking about grandchildren. Can you imagine? Well, I'm just going to leave you with that and ask you to think about it as we roll um, our contact info here at the end of the show. Please make sure you contact us. Let us know what you like, what you don't like, um, and give us feedback so that we can make this show even better as we continue to work and encouraging you to keep serving the best. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him, alongside his co-host and executive producer, Adam McNutt. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.